This podcast is brought to you by OnTrack Studio. Hi, dear valued listener. This is Matthew from the M&M podcast. Before we march into today's episode, Michelle and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you, dear valued listener, for providing some amazing feedback on our first season. We record most of our episodes in the past, and so we've been receiving some really great feedback. And just on that, if any of you out there actually wanted to connect with us, we now have an Instagram account, which is at the letter M A N D M the podcast. So that's M and M the podcast. And we absolutely welcome you getting into touch with us. Um, give us some word inspiration, tag us in any post that you think might be fun. And we really appreciate all of the support. Now, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to M&M. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Matthew. How are you today? Oh, fabulous. And you? Oh, I'm really, really good. I've had a wonderful morning. I've had my swim. I just had a brunch um, with a friend who's moved from Victoria and took him back to the airport. And I'm so excited to once again be back here at the OnTrack studio, um, where we're having our podcast produced by the multi-skilled and multi-talented Sophie. And have you in front of me on a screen about 5,000 kilometres away. That's right. So you're in downtown lovely Nambour and I'm in Perth. So we are a fair distance away from each other. Mm. And what are we going to be doing today? We're going to be talking about M words. Is that what we're going to be doing today? We're going to be continuing our discussion and our exploration, Miss Michelle, of our M words. That's right. M and M is a light-hearted look at language through an M-coloured lens. Mm. So each week we bring a couple of words to you. We analyse and push and pull those words, have a bit of a chat, and hopefully you learn something. I know we always do. And if you don't learn something, hopefully you crack a smile. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> as long as there's a as long as there's a laugh in it at the end for everybody. And of course, Michelle, you can't forget that part of the podcast is also one of my favourite moments from you, which is known as Michelle's moist moment. And I am on the edge of my seat for Matthew's Monday mood. I love myself a Monday mood, and I'm going to take it and run with it right now, if you don't mind, please, Michelle. And I'm going off script here. Okay, I'm putting my hands in the air, and I'm going to let you know about my mood. <laughs> Michelle, my mood today is a jumble, wumble, shablumble of words, but basically my mood is love, excitement um, and joy. Why, I hear you ask, Michelle? Desperately. I'm on the edge of, oh, I just fell off my seat. (laughs) Um, So Tom and I have a new dog. We Yes, we do. We've officially expanded our family. uh, Name? His name is JT, and he is an eight-year-old, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dog. He's a Rotterdor, so that's a Rottweiler Cross Labrador, and he's a rescue dog. We uh, we got him two days ago. He moved into our house two days ago, and my Monday mood, Michelle, is one of absolute love. He just wants cuddles. He wants to protect me. He wants to sniff around our house, and he just wants to be the glue that binds. Oh. 
Was he? Um, did he get much sleep last night, or was he a bit? Um, he was great. No, he was great last night. The first night, he was very sniffly, and every hour kind of woke me up and sort of nudged me gently and lovingly, wondering where he is and what all the smells were and who I was. Um, but then last night, oh Michelle, it was just too gorgeous. We we put his dog mat up on the couch, which is a leather couch. Um, devalued listener, this dog likes the cool. He's like me. He doesn't love the humidity. He gets a bit hot and a bit disgruntled. So we actually put him up on the couch on his dog mat um, for most of the afternoon, which is facing the aircon. And he just, you should have seen him, Michelle. He sprawled out like you wouldn't believe and didn't move for four hours. It was absolutely gorgeous. But then when he I went to- He would have been much more gruntled by that stage, oh, I'd say. It was yeah. all grunt, all grunt. And then when I went to bed, we also have um, put a dog mat in the bedroom. But I thought, I'm just going to leave him, um, you know, on the couch in front of the aircon so he's happy and, and cool. And within 30 seconds of me climbing into bed, he obviously figured it out and off he came trotting into the bedroom and took his place on the mat on the floor. Oh. Eight, did you say? He's eight years old, yeah. So if I was to equate him to human, I'm going to say mid-50s. Um, you know, very healthy, beautiful coat um, and a, such a lovely and gentle disposition. So that's my mood and it's my mood. I love it. I it's, love it. It's my mood all day, every day at the moment because, you know, those dogs, they just they just get us and they just tap into a part of our emotions that I think we give instinctively to animals that we don't necessarily instinctively give to humans. Um, mm. And I've missed having an animal and, and Tom and I are so ready um, for, this, for this dog to be a part of our team and it's just, oh, all the mm, squishy feelings. It's a pretty feelings. amazing addition to your household, isn't it? And I... Um, uh, a special addition, I think, to the way that you live your lives, mm. you know, that you'll be dog people who are into long walks and mm. um, picnics out with the dog. And mm-hmm. is he from is he from another family or has yeah, he grown up with another dog? He's, oh, he's grown up with lots of other dogs. He's very, very well trained. He's very got a very calm and gentle disposition. It'll take obviously a bit of time for him to sniff about the property and wee everywhere and mark his things. Um, and I'm sure the first few dogs he meet, because they're new to him, he might be a little bit... Oh. But uh, I'm not overly worried. He's he's a gentle boy, and um, with parents like you, he has a long and wonderfully exciting life ahead of him. Oh, Michelle, this is I'm why we do a podcast you. together because we just placate each other, don't we? It's wonderful. This is exactly right. We compliment <laughs> each other. So, would you like to know my most moment then? Do you know what? Let's go straight there, Michelle. Could you please share with me what your most moment is? <laughs> well, you pointed out to me last week that I've only been moist, not dried out at all. Oh. And I thought, mm, gave some thought to what makes me a bit sad, a bit annoyed, a bit dried out. I thought I might share one of those with you today. <laughs> As you know, I've just been travelling, travelling between Perth and Brisbane, which is a long way in a mask, in a mask, in a plane. Mm. I want to say to you that what's drying me out today <laughs> is how tiny planes are how tiny they are, how little room there is for Mm. Australians who are getting bigger, not smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's less room for every human on a plane Mm. and then there's more seats on the plane than there used to be and I do feel really sorry for the people who are hosting because, oh, my goodness, that teeny-weeny little aisle they've got, they're always bashing you in the the shoulder with their butt the whole (laughs) trip. And not so, in a good way. You know, over it. And I'm a little person. So, you know, the big the two big blokes that were sitting next to me, I thought, oh, I'm very sorry for you. Mm. So, yeah, that's what dried me out today. I said, oh, good. 
bit over bloody air travel. However, however, it's nice to be able to complain about it, isn't it? Isn't you it? Know, I was going to say, it you and I, dear valued listener, Michelle and I actually got together last weekend and we had a lovely night on the wines and just slapping each other about and cuddling and tickling. So you know what, Michelle, you'll just have to handle that little seat to get to the things that you love. Well, a remote tickle is so much less satisfying than an in-person tickle, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But I have to say, just to add to that dry moment, we're going to have to call it Michelle's dry moment. In the States, um, planes have gotten so much smaller, so they've refitted the internal cabins of the economy section of planes now that if you weigh over a certain amount, you actually have to pay for two seats. <gasps> yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Well, I don't see that it's that far away and we'll be doing the same thing here from Mm. what I saw this trip. And it's just average people are uncomfortable. So a a larger person, yeah, my God. Mm. In America too, they've got uh, their ambulances set up for people who are so obese as to not be able to be transported within the ambulance. Oh, wow. And just to end that one though, you know what we're going to have to do then, Michelle, to turn it from a dry to a moist moment is we're going to have to always fly business class, please. That sounds like a good solution. Right? I like this solution that's nice, and, that's nice and cut and dried. Yeah, I once flew from Perth back to Brisbane in business and it folded down into a bed, my love, and it was the red eye and I stretched out and, um, and had a good sleep. However, I got interrupted because someone in economy actually passed away on that flight and they had to reroute us to Melbourne and offload a cadaver. But that's another story for another time. Michelle's face right now, dear value. Oh, sure and that got it. in the way of your, your business class trip. Too. Yeah, but it was five in the morning and they landed us in Melbourne and I said, what's this? I'm in business. And then the, the body bag went past and I went, oh, okay, well, that's all right, fair enough. Anyway, Michelle, well, look, that's a lovely dry moment and I understand that one and I'm sure all the listeners can feel that too. We do get squished into our planes, but it's something good to complain about because you and I got to connect. Exactly, that's right. So what, uh, what, is, what is your word that you're sharing with us today, sir? Okay, I'll get into mine and I'll ask everyone to be very patient, kind and loving with me because it was a tough one. My word today is meridian, meridian. So this is quite the sciencey math word. And as everyone can tell, if they've continued listening to this podcast, I don't necessarily have a sciencey or math brain. So this took me a little bit of time to wrap my head around. So I'll give it a go, but we'll be kind and patient, won't we, Michelle? Yes. Lovely. So meridian. Okay. Everyone knows um, this word. Well, if they don't, they're about to. The prime meridian. Okay. This is where I'm going to start. This is with the prime meridian. The prime meridian is the line that runs from the north to the south pole, but it does not go through the core of the earth. It follows the shape um, of the earth as it goes. So the degrees that the earth takes up, it, it follows that outwards, if you will, and then returns back in. You're saying that the meridian doesn't go through the centre of the earth from the North Pole to the South Pole? No. It goes around the... Correct. It's a circumference kind of thing. So it doesn't go through the middle of the earth. It follows the circumference around the earth, the shape of the earth. So like a half moon, if you will, and starts in the North Pole and ends in the South Pole. And it actually, the prime meridian runs through England in Greenwich. It actually runs straight through there and then goes through Europe down in parts of Africa and finishes up in the South Pole. Now, why? Is that where we get Greenwich Mean Time, is it? That is where exactly where we get Greenwich Mean Time. But look at you jumping ahead. Just a moment and I'll get there, please, Michelle. Now, why do we have a prime meridian and why do we have meridians at all? So just quickly, the prime meridian is that one line. But if you all imagine right now a map of the world that's flat, 
So not a 3D map of the world that you can spin, um, but a mm-hmm. map on the world. You'll always notice that right in the middle there, you have that prime meridian. It's not that well, I'm not talking equatorial here. This is a longitude and latitudinal um, position. But then on either side of it, um, more lines appear that as the globe moves, they get larger in size uh, towards the middle, towards the um, equator. But as they get closer towards the poles, these lines and the space in between them depletes and decreases. Are they the lines that sort of, if you're looking at a map that's on a flat paper, but the rendering of that map is to sort of show you the way that it looked when it was on the globe. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, when you're looking at an actual globe that you can spin and it has those lines and they all look in the same kind of position. Mm. um, And that's because those meridian lines are showing us longitude, latitudinal degrees. So Mm. that actually is giving us information about what degree where on the earth they are. That is what a meridian line is. And it's hard to describe auditory, but I'm doing my best. Um, now why do they they all go, they all come from, they all come out from the prime meridian? They, well, they all come, no, not necessarily the prime. They all come out from the North Pole. So at different parts of the North Pole, they spread down around the earth and then meet up again in the South Pole. The prime meridian is where standard Greenwich time comes from which is where we get our time and where we've where we note and track where the sun is moving around the meridians of the earth now i'm going to go back a little bit here in geographical terms the meridian is half of an imaginary line polar from circle to circle from the pole to the pole and it covers the whole earth's surface now the meeting point is equal longitude and the angle east or west of the prime meridian. So the prime meridian is zero degrees, right? That's why it's num- It's the prime. Every other meridian yeah. line that stretches out from that's going to have a different degree. So that helps you understand why there are these more lines and not just the one. The prime is where the longitude and the latitude come together and equal zero at any point along that prime meridian. And the length of a meridian is approximately 20,003.93 kilometres. So from top to bottom, the length of the meridian. So that's actually what it is. And it's used all the times with geography. Um, You can imagine in the flight deck, your dry moment, you know, that's how the planes operate. That's how they communicate where they are. And that's how a lot of things get tracked by the meridian. But where did meridians come from? time zones. Yes, it is how time zones are also divided, unless you're China who decides to ignore that because they cross four meridians, but they've decided to have one time in all of China. So they're not interested. Okay, moving along. Oh. Yeah, different. There's always one that's got to stand out. Now, where did these meridians come from? And here's where it gets really interesting. The prime meridian was first... I'm going to say discovered or created or noted, not discovered, because this is an imaginary line, right? This is a line that we've created to understand how the Earth uh, works in terms of the longitude and latitude against the equator. It was a Greek Mm. mathematician by the name of, forgive me, Eratosthenes. Eratosthenes? I'm assuming that's how you say it. And this fellow... Eratosthenes? Yeah, this fellow was around 200 B.C., 
So mm. 2,400 years ago, this Greek mathematician, he actually discovered and, and created a whole bunch of stuff, but he was known as the founder of geography because he was the first one to give us the first global projection. So he was the first one that actually sat back, created the prime meridian and figured out the parallels of the earth, the circumference of the earth, and then all the meridians that stretch out from pole to pole, which enabled him to create a projection, a very accurate projection of the world. So he must have also been assuming then that the world was round. Yes. he. Well, he, he didn't assume that, but it was when he created the Prime Meridian and he saw um, how it uh, moves around the globe rather than through it that it had to be, right? There was this curve going on here and he went, well, hang on a minute. I'm going to understand that meridians spring out all around this planet. And he created this first projection of a round globe. I think there were already people that, you know, knew that the Earth at that stage wasn't flat. I think that was already sort of quashed by then. But he actually used these geographical terms and tools to solidify that knowledge. And 2,400 years ago, like, I mean, he was he was overachieving, if you ask me, but he was very well known for all of these geographical discoveries. And well, even the idea of, of dividing world up in a way that allows you to divide it up into time zones. Yep. A precursor to the understanding that we're orbiting mm-hmm. and that when it's dark in one place of the globe, it must be light in another. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly correct. And so he also, in his discoveries, was the first one to realise through these meridians that the, the Earth was on an axial, and dear valued listener, that's A-X-I-A-L, axial tilt. Because as we all know, our Earth isn't actually sitting top to bottom, where we're actually tilted in a certain direction. And through the discovery of the meridians and the circumference of the Earth, he realised that. We weren't flush. We were actually off to the side. And he was the first one to realise that as well. So he, look, he came up with all sorts of stuff, but he is Mr Meridian, if you will. His story then does get a little bit sad though, Michelle, because I went a bit further into him and I thought, well, this guy's worth a read. And as he aged... He's the founder of geography as well. Yeah, pretty much. As he aged, though, he contracted a disease known as ophthalmia and it made him blind. So he lost his sight and uh, he became so despondent and depressed with his inability to read and observe nature because obviously this is a scientist. Um, the depression overtook him so badly that he actually voluntarily starved himself to death in 194 BC, 194 BC. So he took him out. He took himself out by starvation. Oh, a slow suicide. It is a slow suicide. Oh. But he was 82. He was 82 years old. So I mean, for 194 BC to get to 82 is phenomenal. <laughs> One would imagine. Exactly. That's right. Mm. Back then, you know, if you got to 24, you were a grandpa, you know, you were doing well. So he, he actually did really, really well. Now, the word meridian comes from Latin merides, which means midday. Now, that is why the prime meridian exemplifies the differences between, wait for it, AM and PM. AM stands for anti-meridian and PM stands for post-meridian. So before the sun clips uh, the prime meridian, you're in the AM, which is known as the morning. And after it's gone past the prime meridian, you are in post-meridian or as we know, the afternoon. So yeah, how interesting is that? So by discovering these meridians and, and placing them on the globe, 
yeah, we we got to know that we're on a tilt. We got to know um, time zones and to understand where and when the sun was hitting the earth and create all sorts of information then about what this globe actually looks like. And this was before Christ, so quite amazing. Well, also before all of the conquering went on from Italy, so mm-hmm. that, that must have been all ready to go once um, once all this was sorted out, all the all the mathematics were um, calculated, mm, mm, exactly. ready to get out in the big boats. So, fantastic. look, a fantastic word. I've enjoyed it. I hope that the listeners aren't ripping their hair out listening to me try to be a science. But, you know, I'm doing my best. And I'll give you a little tidbit before we go, Michelle, just a little nugget here. Yeah, depending on your levels of hydration, so how much water you're drinking, it actually takes 50 to 60 days for the average human to starve to death. Oh, right. So, but but that- if, you, if you take out water, how quickly do you pop off? Two to five days. Yeah, okay. Because we're made of it, right? Um, Mm. And most of our internal organs need lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of water. But if you're just drinking water only, you'll get to 50, 60 days before it all packs up and shuts down. So, yeah, he took himself out nice and slowly. Well, thank you very much. I'm very interested, Meridian. Um, I will keep in mind next time I've got to work out which time zone someone else is going to be on the other side of the planet to either look at the the distance between those lines or, or yeah. just Google Well, it. even you and me right now, Michelle, we've got like it's almost 2 p.m. where I am. What's the time where you are? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's only uh, 12, just about 12. Right. So there's two hours between so, us, which yeah, means there is. a whole two hours behind. Yep, which means there is a meridian line separating us, at least one. I'd say, I'd say it is only one at this stage. Yeah, it would be just one. But there you go. We have an invisible line that separates us that denotes when the sun hits me and when the sun hits you. Hmm. And if we were in China, we'd be completely ignoring it. Absolutely. Doesn't matter. There's always one. So what's your word, please, Michelle? So my word is also a sciencey kind of a word. Mm. Malaxate. Oh, say M-A-L-A-X-A-T-E. Malaxate. Malaxate. To malaxate is squeeze. So it's a, it's, it's a term that's really used uh, mainly in medicine and also in biology. Okay. If you're a medical practitioner who's into compounding drugs, a compounding chemist, you would malaxate several chemical compounds together to create a new drug. So you're okay. kneading them or Mix. working them together, pounding them together. You'd probably use some sort of a machine to do it. Whereas in nature, if you're a, an insect, let's say, an insect who feeds on the larva of other insects, you might suck the juice out of the larva that you need to eat. You might malaxate that larva to knead all of the nutrient juices out of the out of the lava that you're, you're getting ready to eat. The look on your face is pretty much the look that was on my face as I read about this. I thought, mm, mm. if I had to, if I had to massage my food to get it to cough up, but massage I it internally. I think, that's I think I'd be doing an tease, Pardon. So massage. Okay, so let me just wrap my head around this. To malaxate is to, if we're talking about it in terms of science, it's to it's to smash or knead chemicals together. But biologically, it's insects or small animals that are trying to get nutrients out of another insect or small animal that I imagine kill the prey first, but rather than just gobble him whole, push around his insides, knead his insides like pizza dough 
to then pop one side of him and suckle it out? Is that? Well, get to be better. It's not only that they might suck it out themselves, but, but they might be malaxating the larva to the point where it gives up some of its honeydew or whatever it is inside it that's nutritious to the predator. Wow. The predator, though, after malaxating the thing, might then feed the stuff that comes out of the larva to its young. So uh, oh. I might I might take home a you know a bag of ants that I've caught and I might <laughs> I might halve those ants and I might give half of the malaxated honeydew to my kids and suck down the rest of it for myself. After you've kneaded it in this, so the the prey doesn't get eaten. The prey gets kneaded like dough until the insides of said prey become digestible by the predator. Am I, is that, are we on the right track? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I I can only really, I can only really understand it as a way of being rid of the exoskeleton, the stuff that Mm. isn't going to be nutritious to me or my young. Right. So if I know that it's the insides of lava that's, uh, going to be nutritious for me. Maybe I either get rid of the exoskeleton because it's stuff that I don't need, or maybe it's not even good for me. Right. Perhaps it's only the stuff that comes from inside the the larva that's good for me. Wow. So the female insect worker may malaxate its prey to remove the liquid from the body, and then that liquid is what's fed to the young. Wow, um, that's disgusting. Stagnant. I know, I know, exactly. It's a lot tougher than cutting up the family roast on a Sunday sort of thing. Um, (laughs) It is all about obtaining protein. So I think that it is actually sort of about putting aside the stuff that's not going to be um, nutritious to me Mm -hmm. and only feeding my young or eating the stuff that's going to be nutritious to us. And and Um, leaving like a shell yeah, yeah. So the way that I've been thinking about the two ways of the, the two ways the term is used, either in biology, the little insects doing the malaxating, or in a laboratory where I'm making a compounded drug. Mm-hmm. And I guess the way I was thinking about it was that the the process of malaxation to malaxate gives you something that you didn't start with. Right. So if, if, you're, if you're pounding, pummeling and squeezing together a whole heap of compounds to create a drug, that's mm. a new outcome, a new product mm-hmm. of that malaxation. Mm-hmm. And just as if I'm a little insect pummeling and working and pounding my larval prey, then the stuff that comes out of the spray is also, the prey is also a new product. Yeah. Okay. So it um, mixes together all sorts of bits from the inside. It sort of jubes everything together into a new globby, delicious internal drink, but one that if we just ate the thing whole or if we cut it open, it would be separated. I think I'm starting to understand and it's absolutely revolting. It's revolting. It's pretty revolting. So I looked up some synonyms because I love the word malaxate mm, and uh, some of the synonyms are to pummel, work, pound, squeeze, twist, crush, mould, mix, mm. blend, mash. The word comes from the Latin, so malaxatus and malaxare and the Greek is malasane, so very, very similar root. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Yeah, so you want yourself a pill, you want yourself a new pill and you need to stick some compounds together or you want yourself a little bit of lava protein 
either outcome you need to do a bit of malaxation. Mm, gross. There you go. Yeah. So I'd prefer to obtain my protein, even maybe with a deep fried bug. Have you heard of the the crickets? Yes, I've had it. I lived, oh, darling, I lived in Asia. I've eaten all the deep fried bugs. I've once eaten a deep fried tarantula. It tasted good. It tasted like peanut butter. Oh, good. I'm so glad you didn't say chicken. <laughs> no, it tasted like peanut butter, but it could have been just before in the bus. I actually had a peanut butter sandwich. So I don't, I don't know where that where, where that connects. Oh, but, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't mind it, although you could feel the hair on the legs, which was a bit bristly going down the throat. But look, oh, God. that's disgusting. And do they need to suck out the, the venom somehow before you eat it? Tarantulas, I believe, don't have venom. They're, they're the ones that cr- – they would probably malaxate. I think they crush their victims. They asphyxiate them. I think. Mm. I could be wrong, dear valued listener. I'm quite oft full of shit, um, but that's my feeling. <laughs> we'll look up Tarantula for next time. Well, that was a really kind of sciency episode for us. I feel like we've ventured into sort of almost academia. God, I'm Kiwi again. Yeah. <laughs> it's unlike us to be so uh to to have such topics that are so mine was very sciencey and geographic and yours was biology we're almost giving everyone a science lesson from matthew and michelle today it's interesting mm. well, we should have warned them that's right oh look at least they, at least they get a slightly different perspective there you go <laughs> thank you michelle for your exploration into malaxate and you're right it's a great word to say it. everyone say it with me malaxate mm. Well, I'm actually going to go out to a tree now and find some bugs to malaxate. <laughs> You're a bit peckish, are you, Del? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need myself some protein juice. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Michelle, as always. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you next time, eh? Bye, Michelle. Bye. Bye.